Dateline, 16th of November 2014, and welcome to the Australia Sports Desk. Here at the Australia Sports Desk, it's AFL, Aussie Rules Football, all the time, all night, every night, and we're on, and it's all about Collingwood versus Hawthorne. The Magpies are going to go and totally take them out. You hang know on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Everyone knows you know nothing about football, because if you did, you'd realise it's cricket season right now. Hello? Is this thing on? Oh, hang on, it's oh, not the sports sorry, desk, sorry, it's the sorry. Australia desk. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you mentioned cricket. Uh, see what happens when you mention... <laughs> we'll, get ah. in, we'll get in no. trouble, mate. Hey, let, can we, let's talk about the weather. No, no, let's not talk no, about no, the weather. No, but the geek started with sports last time. I was just continuing it on. I mean, you know, but but th- thanks. thankfully we don't have to do that because like more than three minutes of AFL in a year and I'm, I'm over it. Anyhow, um, okay, so hi, Steve, how are you doing? Yes, the Australian news desk for aviation. Well, I should just mention that Hawthorne won the grand final this year, but welcome, folks, to the Australia Desk for episode 325. Well, Grant, um, interesting news in aviation this week. Let's start with uh, what would be known in the US as the LSA category, or RAOs here. Now, that sector has uh, been struggling a little lately, I must say, and uh, Australia's, I guess, leading brand of locally manufactured aircraft, Jabiru. Boy, they've been having some trouble, and CASA is not happy. That's right, mate. Jabiru don't just create aircraft. They also create engines, and those engines are found in a number of other aircraft not just their own. And uh, CASA is a little concerned about an increasing um, relatively high rate of engine failures in Jabiru-powered aircraft. Now, while if you look at the whole history of Jabiru, the engine failure rate is only about 0.03%. 40 of those engine failures have happened within the last 12 months, and that's got CASA rather alarmed. They've apparently been talking to Jabiru. Jabiru uh, have been saying they know how to work around it. CASA was asking Jabiru to voluntarily put forward some changes to how people operate until these uh, updates can be done. Jabiru refused, so CASA have now put a draft instrument out that if it comes into play, as they currently have it specified, basically it's going to mean Jabiru-powered aircraft can only be flown during day VFR, as in visual flight rules conditions, There's no flights to be conducted over populous areas, which is basically any town and upwards. Uh, They're not going to be allowed to carry passengers in Jabiru-powered aircraft. Students won't be allowed to do solos in Jabiru-powered aircraft. And they're going to have to put a placard in an obvious location in the cockpit so that persons on board realize that there's no carrying of passengers, no solos for students, and you're flying at your own risk. That's... Almost, but not quite entirely grounded. It pretty much is, Grant, and uh, that's a real problem because here in Australia, Jabiru, I guess, would be, uh, you know, if Cessnas and if Cessna 172s and 152s and perhaps Piper Warriors were the training aircraft of their time in the 70s and 80s, uh, Jabiru, I think, is probably taking that mantra now. They they are really, really big. I think most airfields you go to in this country would have at least one and, and usually a small fleet of them. Uh, I know the airfield that I fly at, the operator there has two of them. Uh, I don't fly in those aircraft, but uh, that's only because I probably wouldn't fit in them. But, uh, <laughs> Zang. But yeah, this is going to be, uh, this could be a really, really bad thing for the training sector here. And we've had a lot of good things to say about the uh, this sector of uh, general aviation coming in and making it uh, you know a lot more affordable for people to get into aviation. But uh, it's got to be safe. And CASA are not, I guess, not satisfied here. This is draft consultation CD1425SS. For anyone who's interested, they can look that up at casa.gov.au. Really interesting stuff. And uh, Grant, I know that they export a lot of those engines over to the United States and uh, I guess other countries around the world. So uh, if uh, you know, you're listening and you have exposure to an aircraft with a Jabiru power plant in it, it might be worth uh, just checking out what's going on here. Now, RAOs understandably are not impressed by this proposal and uh, are doing everything they can uh, politically, lobbying particularly, to uh, try and stop this from happening. In fact, they're uh, encouraging all of their uh, members, and <laughs> actually I am a member of RAOs, they're encouraging all of their members to lobby the Minister for Transport, Warren Truss, you'll be impressed with that, uh, <laughs> to try and stop this from happening. They are saying here in, a, in an email that 
they sent out recently that uh, it would appear that the proposed actions by CASA are disproportionate to the uh, risks faced by owners and operators, although they do acknowledge there's been some uh, engine failures associated with Jabiru power plants. But uh, as you mentioned, Grant, the number of failures, uh, you know, when you compare it to the number of flights is 0.03%. But uh, anyway. Yeah, Steve, it's pretty interesting. It's 90,000 Jabiru movements recorded by RAOs in the year to date, of which 40 have had failures. So that 0.03% is a pretty small number when you consider how many are being done. But uh, yeah, this is this is how CASA are working at the moment, and uh, a few people have spoken of uh, regulated to death, and one hopes that uh, they can find a middle ground somewhere. Yeah, we're certainly going to keep an eye on this. Now, um, you know the politics that's going on at the moment, I guess, between CASA and RAOs, um, that's been rather toxic, I would suggest, over the last uh, couple of years, um, particularly now that uh, CASA is bringing in their own uh, recreational or has brought in their own recreational pilot license. So that could be seen as a direct challenge to the way RAOs works. It's does in my mind. Um, I would certainly hope that if that is the case, that uh, has no bearing on what's happening here, but uh, time will tell, I guess. And uh, Grant, I guess, no names, no pack drill, but um, some industry insiders that we've spoken to in recent years, um, I guess the general uh, gist that we've got from them is uh, they're not surprised. It's a surprise it took this long. It's interesting. There's people on both sides. There's folks who absolutely love their jabberies, have no problems with them, and uh, have no problem at all leaping out into the air and having a blast in them. And there's others who have made the comment that, yeah, they were waiting for something like this for a little while. So so somewhere in the middle is the truth, and uh, we'll see what comes through. Absolutely. Well, let's move from, uh, you know, uh, light sport aircraft right up to the other end of the scale. Let's talk about 747s and uh, 747 pilots. Captain Lawrence Shears is a Qantas pilot. He's been with them for 45 years, Grant, and uh, Qantas is claiming that he's the longest serving 747 captain currently flying. And uh, as we record this, Grant, according to this uh, News Limited article that we're reading here, looks like this will be his last flight uh, coming up today as we record this, actually. So uh, that'll be interesting. But what's more interesting is that uh, Captain Laurie Shears is going to be flying with the uh, with his son, who who is a first officer with Qantas, so that'll be something really special. It happens occasionally where uh, pilots have their final flight with some family members on board, either as passengers or often as uh, cabin crew or flight crew. But uh, yeah, good on you, Lawrence. Uh, great to see that uh, you've done quite the career. He started as a cadet with Qantas two years after I was born. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's uh, flown 206s over in uh, Papua New Guinea and uh, then wound up at the controls of a 707 and onto the 747. So, uh, yeah, quite interesting. He's seen a lot of technology changes. The number of people in the cockpit have definitely shrunk. Uh, when you consider that they used to have the uh, engineers, the navigator, and so on on board the 707s, and uh, then by the 747-400, you could fly it with two people. Interesting too, Grant, when you talk when you think about the way uh, crews are rotated around the network, I always find it interesting. You talk to lots of Qantas pilots, and we know quite a few of them, and you'll say, oh, you know, do you know this person? And I'll say, no, I've never flown with him. So it's obviously, it's, it always interests me the way that's scheduled. Um, and I only mention that because it says that he's flying with his son, Rob. It's only the fifth time in his whole career that he's flown that. So they're operating a trip uh, from Los Angeles through to Sydney and uh, they'll be greeted there with a uh, you know a, a water cannon salute by the uh, the fireys there so that'll be uh, something really special and um, yeah I hope we see some good pictures from that in some magazines coming up Grant which is a great segue to talk <laughs> about the newly released Australia New Zealand version of Spotters E-Magazine yeah Spotters Magazine yeah it's, uh, it's been around for a little while and it focuses on uh, information and news for aircraft spotters both from the military perspective the civilian perspective and generally just getting out there and watching aircraft and they've got an Australian edition. Yes, now this has been produced uh, by uh, some friends of ours actually, uh, Jared Stock and Mark Jessup and they've done uh, some uh, really great job of this one. So um, if you're into uh, well, you know, from a local perspective obviously we'd like you to download the local version but there's uh, different versions of Spotters Magazine uh, from, for all different parts of the world. 
The first edition is out now of the Australia and New Zealand version. SpidersMag.com will put a link in the show notes and uh, get out there and support that. It's free and will always be free. They're going to uh, basically do what we do at Playing Crazy Down Under and fund it with uh, advertising. So that means uh, for the consumer, it's not going to cost you anything. So uh, yeah, get out there. Spotters Magazine, Australia, New Zealand. Good stuff. I've had a look at that first Australia, New Zealand issue and yeah, great photos, some good articles and I'm pretty impressed. I'll tell you what, Grant, uh, you know, the uh, the spotters would have been uh, pretty happy up there in uh, Queensland this week in Brisbane as the uh, G20 uh, political gab fest goes on. Uh, there's been all sorts of uh, interesting <laughs> and wonderful aircraft flying in as all the world's uh, politicians get in there to do whatever it is that politicians do at these things. I don't know what it is. But, uh, you know, amongst them, uh, Vladimir Putin flew in in his aircraft and also Air Force One is here with uh, all the other 55,000 aircraft that come with that, it seems. <laughs> and Air Force One uh, currently uh, is at RAF Base Ambly near uh, Ipswich in Queensland. Land. So uh, I believe President Obama was being shuttled via Marine One, the helicopters, yeah. to uh, take him across to Brisbane. So that would have been good. I'm sure that uh, there'll be, you know, if we talk about spotting magazines and all sorts of other forums, well, I'm sure there's going to be lots and lots of uh, really interesting pictures of some aircraft and some aircraft types that perhaps we don't see here in this country all that often. So, Oh, you're totally going to be looking forward to the uh, heavy metal section in uh, Australian aviation. You know how I like to look at those nerdy things, Grant, so it'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, look at the aircraft on that page. <laughs> well, if the G20 is a gab fest, we're turning this segment into a gab fest, so let's stop right now. <laughs> I guess we'll be back next week. <laughs> I'm Steve Fisher. And I'm the drooling Grant McCarran. Ooh, look at the engines on that one.